Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Jay Adande, a bearded Jay Adande is here. I haven't seen this. No, I haven't this, seen this. I like this it. This is new. I like <laughs> it. It's something different. Okay, I like it. Yeah, it's different. So you're here. Jay Adande, one of the legends of media, one of the esteemed persons in academia, is here today. And Jay, uh, I've known you for a long time. I've never asked you this question. I'm going to ask you a question off the top. Hope you're not uh, thrown off by it. Take your time. Answer the question appropriately. What's the best game, the best uh, best sporting event you've ever covered, and where was it? It's funny. The the longer I go, the harder it is to answer that question. Uh, game six of the 2013 NBA Finals, the Heat and the Spurs, yes. the Ray Allen shot was pretty good. Yes. It, it, it comes to mind. I don't automatically put it I as the that. best. That I covered the triple overtime NBA Finals game between the Suns and the Bulls in 93. Game 7 yes. of the 2002 NBA Western Conference Finals with the Kings and the Lakers. Uh, yes! In Boston, Michael, standing on the 17th green when Justin Leonard made the putt in the Ryder Cup, believe it or not. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, was one of the more dramatic and thrilling moments that, that stands out to me. So yeah. those are some of the ones that are in contention. I don't have a definitive. I get asked that question more and more, and you it gets harder true. and harder for me to answer it. Well, but you know what? You gave the right answer. Because I, I, I told Gary Carter, I said, don't tell Donde I'm going to ask him this. Uh, I hope it doesn't backfire on me. And you delivered. You know, I was listening to what you said, and I remember all those games, but I had an agenda when I asked you that question. <laughs> and what I didn't <laughs> want you to say, what I didn't want, I'll just be honest with you. I've known you for a long time. We can just be honest. Uh, one thing I, I didn't want you to say some type of neutral site game <laughs> because those are you know why Jay those are memorable everything you mentioned. Okay, even the Ryder Cup that wasn't a that wasn't a neutral site that was in the United States. It was US Europe Ryder Cup great comeback from the US the country club at Brookline. So uh, even that so, so you, are you saying there have been no memorable Super Bowls? Because uh, all the Super, Super Bowls have been neutral side. Or, yeah. or, or are you saying Super, that Super. last year's Super Bowl, when the Rams played in L.A., was the best one ever? Or the year before, when well, the Buccaneers played in Tampa Bay? you saying those are the two best Super those, Bowls ever because well, at, they weren't least, technically neutral? Well, I, I'd say those are memorable. Those are memorable. And Super Bowls are memorable. Super Bowls are in a different category. What I don't like is conference championship games. Unless you're going to – maybe we open up a different – standard and a new precedent is set here and we'll say you know what that was a lot better than we thought it would be I don't like it though I would like uh, the atmosphere in Buffalo uh, if, if they had given it to Buffalo and all those number threes in the stands and the snow and Buffalo and the breath right, stop coming right out there of, with, with the snow being that. a necessary element. So, so two things, one getting back Not to the neutral I'd say it's necessary. Get, get, I'd say it's back to the neutral site. Memorable. All the final fours are at neutral sites. The semifinals 
and the championship games of the NCAA tournaments are at a neutral site. I have a problem with them being in a dome because it's not conducive for the best basketball. We we tend to see terrible yeah. shooting performances at the Final Four because basketball is not meant to be played in a dome. But neutral site is not the problem. Football, Neither is anything. I would argue playing football in a dome is preferable. Why? Because we shouldn't have the elements determine the outcome of the game. And we talk about this, Why not? as you can see on Why? the screen, because because uh, you know the NFL reportedly this week is going to decide on the neutral site if the Bills and the Chiefs meet in the conference championship game. We don't want our champions determined by the weather. This is not the weather channel. Why not? You know, we don't care about Why? the elements because it should be yeah, determined football. by which is the best <laughs> team. Patrick, is a, is, is a snowstorm. Do you think a snowstorm is conducive to seeing Patrick Mahomes at his best? If he's playing in the championship game, do you want to see him in a snowstorm or do you want to it see him me... where he can do all of the things that we'd like to see Patrick Mahomes do? I'm old enough and I'm a Southern Californian enough to remember when the Chargers had to play in Cincinnati in the 1981 yeah, right. yes. AFC championship yes. game. It yes. was like 50 below with the wind chill, colder than the ice bowl with the wind chill. Okay. And the poor Chargers never had a chance. Cincinnati, I was just reading oh, up on oh, this. Wait, 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 Cincinnati wait, wait, wait. actually elected to kick off both halves so that they would have the wind at their backs. That's hey, how much the minute. weather was a factor. Oh, no. What's this? What's it? What, 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 what? Let's calm down here for a second. Let's calm down. What's this poor? Because I remember that. I remember that. And I, I, I'm not trying to do this. Hey, back in the day, we walked to the school backwards and. You know, we did all these things and all these uh, urban legends. But that day, just up the road in Northeast Ohio, because that was in Cincinnati, Northeast Ohio was cold there too. That day, went outside with my friends. We played football. Okay, just the way. Hey, 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 I don't know. You we didn't play to, for a, tri a trip yes, to did. the Super Bowl wasn't on the line. I, a trip I, to the Super Bowl was I, not I, on the but, line. But when the but stakes the are point. high, I don't, don't want the, the weather determining the outcome. I want the best Why team and the best coaching and the best strategy and the best performance determine the outcome, not the weather, not Explain the wind or the snow. Explain to me, sir, professor. Uh, explain to me why the Chargers. Th is that what your students call you, uh, Professor Adande? Is it Professor Adande or is it? They've been uh, known you, to call uh, me that. Yes. You, uh, okay. That, don't don't have them call you Jay. <laughs> Just hey, 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 call me Professor Adande, but. You explain to me why the Chargers didn't have a chance and the Bengals did, because it was that was an unusual circumstance. Not like it's always fifty-nine below wind chill in Cincinnati. It's just the opposite. So why did the Chargers not have a chance and the Bengals did? You think the Bengals might have been slightly more used to it? You think their bodies might have been a little bit more acclimated to the cold since that was their environment? So well, it, it, there's another notion that we need to dispel, and that's that, oh, that would constitute football weather. Like I said, a guy Florida was saying, oh, they should pick like Heinz Field or Soldier Field or Lambeau Field even play this game. Dispel the notion that cold snow wind chill is football weather. Football, remember the origins of football. It was a college sport. It was a fall college sport. And they only played about eight games or so. So it would start around the start of the school year in September or so, and they'd be done before Thanksgiving, and then they would go play a bowl game somewhere warm in like California or Florida right. or Florida. Texas. That was football. Yeah. Football was not meant to be played outdoors in January. I'm sorry. The, the people that started what? the game, that, that instituted Yay. the game, that made the game great, they did not intend it for it to be played outdoors 
in January. I'm sorry, that's a myth. And you got all excited because you've seen some old NFL footage of steam coming hey. off people's heads and cold minus 15 degree temperatures at Lambeau Field. And you think that's some ideal that should determine the outcome of these championship games. And that's not the case at all. There's nothing to do uh, right with now, the history of football. Hey. The origins Fritz, of football. Fritz, hey, 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 Fritz Pollard right now is leaning over the balcony of heaven, thinking about <laughs> coming down and, and shaking you right now. By the way, the birthplace of pro football. Where's the birthplace of pro, pro football? Not California, not Florida, not Arizona. Where is it? Where is it? You tell me. It's cold there. We just talked about it. It's Ohio. Oh, okay. So <laughs> not look, in January. They weren't playing games in January in Ohio. Hey, they play games. They do what you do. What's necessary? I'm shocked that you are pro. Neutral site. So you think this is a great idea? This is. A, and pro, I, I don't well, want to put words in your mouth, but well, you like I, it. I, I will say this, not not in general, but given the circumstances where you know they're trying to be fair because of these unusual circumstances, I, I, I believe that yes, you should have home court advantage, home field advantage, on the basis of your performance in the regular season um, until, until it gets to maybe the, the Super Bowl. And again, the, the whole reason the Super Bowl is played in neutral sites, ninety nine percent of the time in warm weather sites is because people want to be warm. It's a celebration. It's a festival. And you also want your games to be decided by the teams and not by the weather. So my proposal is that they should play this game in Indianapolis in the dome and Indianapolis Ooh. is located about 500 miles from each city from Buffalo and from Kansas City. It's almost exactly in the middle of those two cities. Uh, it's a nice neutral and I, I and furthermore I say uh, each team should be allowed to charter a couple jets and fly in some of their, you know, longest standing season ticket holders and, and just give a reward for them. So you, you definitely should well, have some fans well, from both teams there and, you know, fly in well, some of your best season ticket holders and reward the them. The league should do it. The league should do that. But because uh, you're going down the right path here. Now, I like what you said there. I mean, I don't like the neutral site. I, I wish they could have uh, gone by. I know it's unfortunate. Nobody's fault. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but I wish they could have just gone by the rules that they've already established the rules that they've established is that in these cases you go by winning percentage and go by winning percentage Kansas City is your number one seed in the AFC and would have home field although we know Cincinnati beat Kansas City Cincinnati's better than Kansas City by the way Ooh, I said it and Buffalo also beat Kansas City, but it's just the way it goes. It's just the way it goes. They won 14 games. Uh, Buffalo won 13. So winning percentage go with Kansas City, but I, I like this. How about this? The reason another reason the uh, conference championship game at a neutral site kind of turns me off a little bit is because of the little guy, the little guy. You think about all the people around the stadium who are able to get a little more income with the conference championship being in their in their city. The stadium workers are about to get a little bit more uh, more money restaurants more money for restaurants, more money for hotels, local economies, get a little boost, get a little spike because they are the conference championship game hosts. So nobody gets it now. Now you're going to get it to Indianapolis, home of the Colts. <laughs> I mean, what, what have they done to earn this? Indianapolis, and they get enough already anyway. They got enough Final Fours. They got the Indy 500. They got all kinds of stuff. They don't need an uh, economic boost. And so I, I, that's the part of it. I, there's no way to correct it. So I guess. All right. So speaking of the, the little fans, guy, or, or bringing in, or the bringing in fans is a good thing. How, how yeah. about how about this, Michael? In, uh, in addition to some of your 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 best fans, how about in keeping with the theme, in keeping with 
what brought us to this this necessity in the first place. How about reward mm -hmm. some some emergency medical personnel? Uh, you know, not, so not just the, the the people in Cincinnati, but but people in the Indianapolis community, people in Kansas City. They turned it down, and, by the way. You know, we're saying Indianapolis like they made it, the decision, but 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 it, it, it lo want lo local 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 nope. local it, emergency medical personnel, local emergency medical personnel um, in from the, the the city, in addition to from both participating team. How about we reward them? Like, remember they they basically did that. Uh, the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Remember, they they had first responders oh, yeah. and, and medical personnel great. in the mid, mid of, of the uh, pandemic. And so do something here for emergency medical personnel to to show appreciation for all, not just the people that helped resuscitate DeMar Hamlin, but those who do it on a daily basis and, and don't get the acclaim. Give, give them a moment. Let Turn this into something positive and rewarding for people like that. Well, I, I don't know where my manners have been. Look, I, I haven't seen you. You know, sometimes... Uh, if you haven't seen somebody in a long time, you're really happy to see him. And you just pick a fight with him, but you're really just happy to see him. You just want to give him a hug. So I want to give you a virtual hug. Uh, Jay Adonde, haven't seen you, my brother, from another in a long time. I'm so happy that you're here. And I'm so happy that uh, you, family, you're, you're watching, you're listening, watching on Peacock TV, Siri, listening on Sirius uh, XM Channel 85, YouTube, however you consume podcasts. And Jay, the reason we're having this conversation, we're able to have this conversation. Uh, you know, pro uh, cons of neutral sites. Okay, we can go back and forth on that all day. But we both agree that the reason we're having this conversation and there's a positive there is that Damar Hamlin, miraculous. Damar Hamlin is at home. First, he left Cincinnati, went back to Buffalo. Then he left the hospital in Buffalo and went home. He's home. It, it's it's unbelievable mean, that he's not hospitalized I mean, right just, now, that there's no tubes or, you know, breathing apparatus or anything attached to him that, that uh, and, and it's barely been a week. It's we're just a couple of days past when, when all this first transpired. And this might be the most American aspect of it. It turns out he's already trademarked or filed for trademarks for some of the phrases, including did we win, which is the, the instantly legendary response that he had upon first regaining yeah. consciousness and was able to communicate in the hospital room and yeah and, and i'll tell you what we got and, and you know what and he apparently is already planning yeah. uh motivational speaking tours and things like that you know and that's as american as it gets get your money <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know jay if they win if they win the super bowl i mean a whole country's gonna be crying the whole country is going to be in tears. I mean, just think about all of the the, the storylines and, and all the things that this this uh, the city. First of all, before, before we get to Demar Hamlin, think about the things that Buffalo. Just to come here, take football out of it. What Buffalo has been through in the past year and a half. Been through a lot, natural disasters, uh, just a, a, a ghastly uh, shooting. Uh, in, in Buffalo Which last year. I couldn't believe that that was within the last year. Like that, that shooting, yeah. it, it felt like so much has happened since then. I, I was like, wow, that, that took place in 2022 as well. But man, yeah, just, yeah Buffalo has been yeah. through it. And then DeMar Hamlin, I mean, I just can't, I just can't believe. I'm just so thankful and, and grateful for, as you said, the first responders, the medical professionals, the trainers, staff on the bills, on the Bengals, uh, hospital personnel, doctors, nurses, 
everybody in Cincinnati, everybody in the hospital in Buffalo to be in this situation where we could talk about this young man just resuming his life. And I don't know. I don't know about football. Nobody's mentioned football. And I, um, I almost don't want to don't, don't want to think about that for him. I don't know what his future is, but uh, it's just an amazing story that we're talking about Demar Hamlin after what we saw on that Monday night. We're talking about him going home and watching the playoffs this weekend, just like the rest of us. But I'm guessing we have a chance to have Demar Hamlin on the show. I, I'm guessing he'll say, "I don't like neutral sites either. I don't know what a Don Day's talking about." Football was. <laughs> Football, football was meant to be played in the cold. All right, Jay. Listen, let's take a break. I want to talk some basketball with you. When we come back, uh, the brother from another, Kurt Heelan, pro basketball talk will join us. And we got a lot of hooping to talk about, a lot of scoring. Like, on, we were coming. Well, we were covering, we were covering the NBA at Don Day. You were covering the Bulls. I was covering the Cavaliers. They ain't scored this easily. They didn't score. Not it was a long time ago. It was the 90s when points were hard to come by. Thanks in part to hard your to Cleveland by. Cavaliers and Mike Fratello mucking up the game. Yeah. Yeah, he had to muck it up. That's a, that was his only shot. That was his, he, yeah, he loved the 78, 77 game. <laughs> but Pat, Pat started. It was Riley first. Riley did it before Fratello. Before Fratello. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Returning to Utah, and he greets a fan that uh, he had greeted at the arena every game for five years. So we know Donovan Mitchell got traded from Utah to Cleveland. He sees his fan, and they share this embrace. That's great. I mean, I love this. I love this. Uh, and 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 Mitchell uh, Mitchell came back last night, had a great game. Cleveland's a very good team, by the way. Uh, had a great game, had 46 points. Not enough, though. Utah Jazz beat the Cavaliers. Kurt Heelan, Pro Basketball Talk, joins us. Jay Adonde is here. And I just want to know what you guys, Kurt, I'll start with you. you know, what do you think of that scene? Uh, what do you think about Donovan Mitchell returning to the scene where he, where he played for five years? You know what? That was actually really heartwarming. And 
Donovan's a good guy, like genuinely one of the good guys of the league. And so like he has these connections for all his understandable concerns and, and tensions he's had in Utah. Like he really did connect with the fans. He really did feel a part of that community. So it was good to see that, you know, the love kind of flow both ways last night. And they went out and dropped 40, 46 on him, like you said, because <laughs> he's just tearing up everybody. Trying to break their hearts. Yeah, and it's interesting, Kurt, because, you know, he has spoken about some of the, you know, the racial discrimination that, that he yeah. faced and people of color face in Utah, but he also can single, you know, it, I think it's a good reminder that when I, when he says these things, when people say these things, it doesn't mean everybody, right? And he has plenty of people yeah. and plenty of positive interactions that I'm sure he can cite, but that doesn't mean that some of the negative stuff doesn't happen. Switching the basketball element does, Kurt. Kurt um, so I always say to win a championship, to really be considered a championship contender, you have to be in the top six in uh, point differential, and you have to have one of the top six players in the league. In general, if you look at the champions, they they fulfill both those categories. Cleveland is second in point differential. And Donovan might not be who you rank in the top six in terms of players. There's a lot of great players having great seasons this year. But I think yeah. he can get on a run where he can play like a top six guy in the playoffs. And do you think those two things could happen? Should we be taking him seriously as a championship contender because some of the indicators are there. Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> Still, I, <laughs> I, I, I look, I think, the, I think they're a title. I think they're a contender in a couple of years. Like if, if we're talking this year, and I think by the way, you're right. He can get on the, like Chauncey Billups when they won, when the Pistons won in 04, probably not a right. top six player in the league played like a top six player or top two player in the league for a stretch capable of it. I think Don, I think that's spot on. I think Donovan's capable of playing at that level, but man, they're not quite there yet. A, I just don't think they've learned to win as a unit. They haven't been through it. B, somebody go get them a three, man. I, no, no offense, Isaac Okoro, but you got to get some. If you're going to get by Boston with Tatum and Brown, and you're going to get by the Bucks with Middleton and, and everybody else, better go get yourself a wing defender. And they just don't have one right now. All right, uh, let, let me try to answer that question though. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say no as quickly as Kurt did, because I've seen them. I know. I know it's a regular season. Because you're from Ohio. Early, uh, uh, no, that's not. That's not. That's. I've lived. I've lived in Boston longer than I lived in Ohio. I did. I did that math the other day. I was like, wait a minute. Wow. To ha to work that out, you got to be at of a certain age. The time because I was in Ohio for, you know, pretty much 22 years, 23 years. So to work that out, you got to be uh, you got to be 50 or plus 50 plus. Anyway, um, no, it's not because of Ohio. It's because I've seen the way they play Boston. So Kurt mentioned Boston already this year. They played twice. They've lost to them. The Celtics have lost to them twice. And it's that Cleveland does things to them that kind of throw them off a little bit. I think their size uh, gives Boston yeah. some problems, although Rob Williams wasn't there. And you know they don't have a three, but they got a backcourt, a pretty explosive backcourt, that's going to cause a lot of teams problems. If you look at it, Boston, I say Boston, Milwaukee, and then throw it up between Cleveland and Brooklyn. They got a, they got a real shot, Kurt. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I look, I love them, but I just push comes to shove. I trust that Kevin Durant guy. I think he's going to be pretty good in the playoffs. Like I know what if he's, he's going to bring day in and day out if he's there. If he's I, there. How and, concerned and, are you by this latest knee injury? Eh, 
less concerned than the one last year. I think this is it. Not to get into it, not to go medical, but it, like it was an isolated knee sprain on just the MCL, which is much less of a problem than what he had last year that kept him out 20 plus games. And of course, that's when the whole season unraveled. So there is there is that sense with Brooklyn, right? Like, well, it's all Fragile. on Kyrie now. What? Yeah, exactly. It's all on Kyrie now. What could possibly go wrong? Um <laughs> So, like, yeah, they are a little more fragile, but I think they've got better depth. He won't be out as long. And by the way, to their advantage, hitting a soft spot in the schedule. Like, they've actually got a kind of soft spot coming up. So they they could get a couple of wins under the belt and gain some confidence. But uh, it does feel like every time, doesn't it feel like every time you watch the Nets, you're like, yes, when does the other shoe drop, man? So, that, that's their story. Go ahead, go ahead, Jay. Oh, I, I wanted to shift out West. First of all, didn't they just have the soft spot in the schedule? Isn't that how they started ramping up all these wins? Was they hit a nice soft spot? Like, how many soft stretches can they have? Especially when there's a lot of good teams from players in this league. Um, I, I want to I shift West, though. Um, you know, coming off opening night, uh, to rewind a little bit, I, I said I was concerned just by the fact that the Phoenix Suns got a shot at the Dallas Mavericks, who put them out last year, and they get their yeah. first shot in Dallas – Pounced on him in the first half. Phoenix came back and won that game. But how could you go into that game without the mentality that you absolutely wanted to destroy Dallas? And they didn't have that. And I feel like that's resurfaced, uh, that something's just kind of off with them. And it resurfaced in addition to the injuries. Um, you know, up until last night when they beat the Warriors, they were on a nine-game losing streak. It, things haven't seemed quite right in Phoenix. Um, no. What, when you watch the Suns, seems off to you? Look, we got to start with the obvious, right? Which is Devin Booker's out. And he's their best, not only the best player, but Father Time's starting to win the race with Chris Paul. As much as I've loved covering Chris Paul over the years, and he's still a great floor general, and his game only, his game ages slower because he's such a high IQ player. He's not the same guy. And after that, you know, they've had other injuries. You know, Cam Johnson is out. DeAndre Ayton, though, is. Look, they gave him a max. Booker's out. You can't run an offense through him. You can't. You like, he's a nice big man. Like he's a quality big man, but you can't treat him like, like he wants to be treated, like a Joel Embiid or somebody where you can just run the offense through him and get that kind of success. I think they're. I just don't think they're that well constructed right now. It's kind of all hinges mm. on Booker, and they've got some tweaking and remodeling to do and by the way maybe trade jay crowder for something that helps you today <laughs> get that off the checklist well, right? it's been on the checklist yeah. before the season <laughs> hey you know yeah you're talking about you're talking about houses out west you're talking about tweaking or remodeling i thought you were talking about a house in san francisco the chase center uh where the golden state warriors play and steph came back last night uh, it struggled in the beginning. Then he got he you know heated up after that. But uh, they really didn't look great throughout against no. the Phoenix those Phoenix Suns. And so, what do you expect from the Warriors? Got Steph back, but you look at them in the standings. We've already played half the season, and they're 500. I mean, they're pretty much right around 500. So, uh, Kurt, and then then Jay, you know, give me some uh, give me some insight on the Golden State Warriors. How long are we waiting for them to flip the switch? Because I mean, we've seen them do it, right? Like we, we're like, oh weeks. man, we saw them last June. Two more yeah. weeks. It's like <laughs> exactly. Like we keep giving them. Well, yeah, I trust them. We're good. You know, there comes a point where 
Jordan Poole hasn't been quite the same guy. And Clay, you know, Steph has been at it. He wasn't obviously last night, but he was like MVP level early on. Clay's played better, but this thing hasn't melded the same way. And you can see how much they miss Otto Porter, Gary Payton the second, some of the depth that stepped up Damian for them in the playoffs that they could <laughs> Damian Lee, them last who night. Got, yeah. He, he picked up his ring and then was a pain in there. Yeah. <laughs> um they missed that depth. They thought the young guys would step up and do it. Kaminga's slowly starting to come around, but Wiseman and Moody certainly aren't. And they're talk about a team that needs I don't could I I know how far over the cap they are and they don't have a lot of trade assets, but they feel like they need to find a way maybe through the buyout market. They got to get somebody in there and get some depth because I just don't feel that with them right now. And I can, you can say they're saying the core seven, the core six is back from last year, but it just hasn't, it just hasn't clicked the same way. And I'm like, I'm losing patience. I'm, I'm not like off the bandwagon like I am with the Clippers or something, but I'm, I'm losing patience. I am. Well, both them you, and the Clippers have both both Warriors and the Clippers have a negative point differential, and that, that, again, that's yeah. not the marking of a, of a champion. You know, with the Clippers, I just don't think you can have guys come in and out of the lineup throughout the season and expect to build any type of continuity or camaraderie yeah. and uh, know who you are. Right? If, if their lineup changes on a nightly basis, you can't really know who you are. And and with the Warriors, Kurt, you want you, you're saying they need to make additions, maybe they need to stop thinking in terms of right now. And, you know, they've talked about famously the the two timelines and the simultaneous timelines. Maybe you say, hey, it's really an unprecedented approach to try to both win now and build for yeah. the future. And it happened last year. Maybe you say, you know what? We maybe right. got one more championship than we expected to or really had a right to to earn with this group, with this core group. And now let's start putting ourselves in position for the next run you know maybe it's time to say hey it's been a great run you guys but it's over and we're going to start oh, making moves Whoa. to position ourselves a to start to get under this prohibitive uh luxury tax penalty that they're paying right and and start positioning themselves to to be a contender for years to come rather well, than right now okay that sounds good that sounds good but how would you do that i mean where where, where do you start to make because that first move is going to be controversial, no matter what it is. That you, first move you, trade, trade. you make, yeah, like who, where are you Kurt, going? I know where you're going. I was thinking the same thing. Trade Go Draymond. Trade Draymond is the is the move because oh. he's the guy you got to pay next. He's the guy I got to pay. You got to pay next. And by the way, somebody's going to overpay for him because I don't want to. He's not a system player. He's a good player, but he's got to be used in a specific manner to really get the most out of him. You can't just plug and play him like a lot of guys and somebody's going to overpay thinking oh man some owner is going to come into their gm man go get him and they're going to regret it because he's not going to it's, it, it's going to look like atlanta where yeah we'll just go get to Jante murray it'll all be good no problems and it's not always that way but if you're going to move on that's the move you move on from draymond i still think though i'm not quite there yet because i still think in a west where nobody has run away with it. I mean, Denver's good. Memphis is good. But the Warriors could still win this thing, man. I, I still think the Warriors so, could get to the finals and make a run. I'm, like, not ready to throw in the towel on this core yet. And that's also not my money. So I'm kind of happy to just throw it away. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hold on. Let me, let me just say this. If, if you, Now, you threw it out there. Trey Draymond. You, you know, you, you, you said not yet. But if you, if you got to do something like that, you start with Draymond. 
Would you do that this year? This summer. Let's say, let's say the two weeks. Well, uh, let's say my two he, weeks are if up. He, if he comes up, my two if weeks, he comes up. <laughs> and they're still playing 500 and they're still playing 500 balls two weeks from now. Would you, you do it? I, I might, I might canvas around to see what you could get. That doesn't that, it feels like a summer move, but they've got to pay him. Well, Remember, but, but he's, Kurt, he's also more valuable this year, right? I think his value yeah. is higher yeah. specifically because there are so many teams that could have a legitimate shot at it and might just be a Draymond away. And he could be the difference between going to the finals, winning a championship and not make it to the finals, right? I, I think there's a number of teams you can make a case that if they had a guy like Draymond Green with all the experience and all the things he can do for you, that can make the difference in this wide open season. So I think <laughs> how, his value, what you can get in return for him, will never be higher than it is right now. How much could Miami use him at the four right about now? Ooh. Yeah, there's or, a problem, ooh. but you're right. There's a lot of teams. I love it. I love this. Just the uh, it's a good it's a good problem to have in a sense. You're the Warriors because you know you you know look what Boston did last year. Boston got up to a start like this, similar to this in the first you know, like 30, 40 games. Nobody was thinking about them, and then finish strong, make it make it to the finals and lose to the Warriors. All right, so could the Warriors do the same thing, or you just you got to go back and forth? All right, can we do this? We know we won it last year. Nobody saw us coming. And we knocked everybody out, or do we get ahead of it and move on and, and transition to these young guys? I don't know, but I do know this: scoring in the NBA is not like anything. I said this to Donde off the top. When we were covering, we were covering the league back in the day, back in the uh, fabulous 1990s. It wasn't like this. I mean, you had a 20-point score that was special. Yeah, your guy. If you had your top, if your top score averaged 21 or 22, ooh. Pretty good player. Now at 21-22, yeah, man, but you're not averaging 35 like Luca. You know, you got a, a bunch <laughs> of guys averaging over 30. You got a bunch of guys 25 and above. Uh, Jay, I'll start with you. Like, where to what do we attribute this uh, scoring spike? Well, I think you had your answer if you watched the Miami Heat game last night, in which they went 40 of 40 from the free throw line to set a new NBA record <laughs> as a team. And uh, Jimmy Butler was 23 of 23, one short of the individual record of, of makes without a miss in, in a game. And to me, that reflects the skill level, the abundant skill level that's out there. Again, we wouldn't call Jimmy Butler a top six player. We we wouldn't call him one of the top shooters in the league. And yet he's able to put on a performance like that from the line and the heat collectively. We're able to be perfect from the free throw line in 40 attempts. And I think it just reflects the abundance of skill that you can find throughout the league. I think the other thing that goes with that in, in, an, in an era of floor spacing and shooting is it allows a Jimmy Butler or actually I think Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer said the other day, 55 guys are averaging over 20 points a game. I don't know if, you know, if that's yeah. accurate or if they're on pace for that. That's, that's yeah, there insane. it is. There's a tweet right there. Producer Garrett sent me that out. That's absolutely insane. But I think what happens is if if you're out spacing the floor and, hey, I, I got to have my bigs covering. I can't just have a guy pack in the paint. I can't play in combined with the three-point shot. Suddenly, though, all these skill players can get in isolation, can get by their guy. The help is slow. Now you're kicking to open guys. Guys are just getting cleaner looks. They're shooting it from efficient spots on the floor. I think the modern game kind of just lends itself to this, right? We're going to pick up the pace. We're going to go fast. We're going to give the ball to our best player and just let him. We're going to pick a matchup and let Luka go. 
Yeah, well, you know, what? I'm a, I, I, I'd like to land the plane on this uh, Adonde going back to your point and you mentioned and I agree with you. What do you need to be uh, to be considered a, a legitimate champion or reliable champion? Well, got to have a top six player or somebody playing like a top six player point differential has to be up there. You didn't mention defense. I wasn't thinking defense, but when we get to like, we've been trained. We've been trained to say, oh yeah, this guy can play on offense, but he's a bad defender or this team can't defend. Does that matter? Because it seems like nobody really can defend for long stretches. When you look <laughs> at these scoring numbers, does that matter as much as it used to? Well, my point differential reflects defense, right? So it's it's a component of that. So so I'm not saying ignore defense completely. And again, we saw the value of Draymond Green, who doesn't give you a lot offensively, uh, but can do just enough, right? But the fact that there are no defensive specialists out there, it seems like, right? That that uh, yeah. if, even if you're Draymond Green, you're not asked to, but like they're more effective. You got to be able to knock down a three pointer here and there to make it work. Amen. You got to be, you got to take the ball to yeah. the basket now and then to make it work. There are no guys out there. Like I, I think back to Kurt, remember Reggie Evans with the Clippers who was just oh, God, yeah. aggressive, would get you a bunch of rebounds, but he wasn't even thinking about shooting the basketball. Yeah. And you I can't, can't think of an equivalent of him in today's game. Can you? No. And you can't have that guy out there. I was, Last playoffs, the Sixers really needed Matisse Thibel's defense on the floor at points, and they couldn't keep him out there because he was just getting exploited on the offensive end. Nobody would cover him. Suddenly, everybody else is going five on four, and they couldn't keep Doc couldn't keep him on the floor. Well, wasn't that the case? So, I mean, didn't didn't that happen to Draymond last year in the finals? I think it was a critical. Uh, was it? Game well, well, then four? he finally started scoring. Like got, I think, if you look in the clinching yeah, game, he was aggressive offensively, right? And you're and you're right. He, one of the key stretches for them, they had him on the bench in the fourth quarter because he was an offensive yeah. liability. So, I mean, I, I guess he's that guy. But we're talking about how it still comes back to him. We're saying he's important, but if the game has changed and it has taken away some of his some of his uh, his effectiveness because like he's not he's not the guy Draymond's not the guy he was five years ago scoring wise. I, I, he hadn't scored in double figures in what five years four four or five years. He was like, you know, he used to be able to give you 13 14 points a game really effective. And now we what do we have these? Uh, what's that stat? It's a Draymond stat now where it's like a <laughs> what is that like a double? It's like a double double. They, it's a double double, but he doesn't score. That's what it is. It's right. like he's he's rebounds. <laughs> But but he's giving you like you know six points, twelve boards, twelve assists. Okay, I don't know if you could do that. I don't know if you could do that in this NBA <laughs> and have your team be happy with you. But I tell you who we are happy with, Kurt Heelan. Always good to see you, man. Thanks for talking some ball. Always with good us to today. see you guys. You're always welcome here. I love sure. your your daughter's background there. Is that the your daughter's room? <laughs> With this, so back in the daughter's room. Hey, she's she's out in Santa Barbara trying to deal with uh, college and flooding campuses. So you know, I, I'm I'm borrowing the room. Okay, well, good to see you, man. I hope the remodeling uh, turns out all right at your house. <laughs> <laughs> it, it always goes longer than it's supposed to, doesn't it? Hey, it only be a couple hurt. months. Word to that. It'd be a few months. Six <laughs> months later, you're still there. And it costs more. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Well, Sean McVay, what a life. What a life, Jay Adande. 36 years old. He's been to two Super Bowls. He won one. Recently married. Uh, recently. This calendar year. Well, no, not this calendar year, but uh, but less than a calendar year. Uh, you know, probably like 10 months Within ago. Within 365 ago, days, yeah. Yeah. Signed a lucrative contract extension. Courted by the networks. Now I'm going to coach. And then after a five win season for the LA Rams finished five and 12 his first losing season of his career. He said, you know, uh, it's about quality of life. I, I don't know if I want to continue to do this and uh, he has allowed his assistants, by the way, this is a telltale sign. He's allowed his assistants to look for other opportunities. That's another way of saying that's a nice way of saying I can't guarantee y'all got a job here. Uh, or you may have a job here. I won't be here. Uh, I may be the guy who brought you in, but I'm not going to be your advocate because I may be out. How do you look at this Sean McVay situation uh, as we look at it? We just don't know, but it looks like he's about to exit the LA Rams. What do you think? Yeah, and, and I don't know why I'm so bothered by it. First of all, reacting to the news, I'm glad that he's allowing his assistants and giving them the heads up that, hey, you might want to find a landing spot. So at least he's not leaving them high and dry, so to speak, if he does decide that, hey, I'm out, or at least I'm out temporarily, they won't be caught totally off guard. Uh, there's a good story in The Athletic today talking about, A, what's weighing on his mind, and, and B, the fact that it's complicated by there are other people's lives, careers, and the situations for their families at stake here. His decision is going to affect so many people. If they do bring in another coach and he wants to bring in his own staff, then people are going to be out. And so I... I I'm appreciative that he's giving him this heads up. And and I'm also appreciative of the fact that he could be going through some things. It, it, it's funny, you know, my initial goal in this business was I wanted to be able to, to, to cover the Lakers and to be working at the forum and to be courtside at the, at the Laker games. And I got that chance as a 20 year old 
when I was interning at the San Bernardino Sun and they had me fill in and cover the last regular season Laker game. And I went there, it's exciting. I'm sitting on the baseline and I'm interviewing Magic Johnson in the locker room before the game. And then afterward, I get in the car and I just felt depressed because what do you do after you get the chance to do what you've always wanted to do? Where do you go from there, right? I had no idea at the time that there would be NBA finals and Olympics and the masters and all these great things and opportunities I'd have in my career. But I felt like, okay, I've done what I want to do. What next? He got to win the Super Bowl as a coach by age 36. And so I could see where he's saying, okay, where'd I go from here? I could see where, where it's a letdown, right? I mean, he's been chasing this goal and it comes to him at a very young age. Yeah. And I could see where it's a letdown, but I'm also just uh, concerned about the, the, the lack of commitment, fulfilling your contract, fulfilling any other right. sort of, you know, maybe moral obligations that you feel to this franchise, which took a chance on you as a 30 year old and gave you this great opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, he could be ready to step out uh, you know, before he even turns 40. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's the crazy thing. Now, he, uh, Sean McVay went to a school, the other Miami. Y'all know about the Canes. <laughs> you know about, you know about the U. He went to the other Miami. Parentheses uh, of Ohio. Miami. <laughs> Miami, Miami of Ohio, right? And it's called the cradle of coaching. Cradle of coaching because a lot of great coaches have been there, including... You know, Paul Brown, Paul Brown spent some time in Miami, a lot of them. And so cradle of coaching suggests that, you know, you know, you, you're, you're a part of a tradition. You're standing on some shoulders. And I think he, if I'm gonna take the personal stuff aside, because if he's going through something, as you said, if, he, if he's going through something in his personal life, uh, who am I to sit here and, and, and just jump all over that? But just from a professional standpoint, Sean McVay at 36 has never had a losing season until now. So his first losing season and part of coaching Jay is to go through that. You got to go through that mess. <laughs> Unless you're Mike then, Tomlin. <laughs> yeah, and Tomlin's the only one who has done it for a long time and can say, I don't know what you're talking about. But Tomlin <laughs> still, but Tomlin has had transitional seasons. Oh, yeah, like this do it. So he didn't know he didn't know what was going to happen. You lose Ben Roethlisberger. They make the playoffs last year backdoor get into the playoffs. Now, you lose Ben Roethlisberger, you sign Mitch Trubisky, and you draft this kid Kenny Pickett, and you don't know what it's going to look like, and you wind up finishing uh, nine and eight. Don't make the playoffs, but okay, we went through it. Sean McVay, I, I think you got to go through it because I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be pining to get him if I don't even know if he can deal with a rebuilding situation. It's great when nine and seven is your floor. It's great when you can say F them picks you and your general F them picks. All right. Hey, hey, we're gonna go out. We're gonna get all these great players and we're gonna win the Super Bowl. Nice. What happens though? Instead of F, I, I said this yesterday instead of F them picks. It's oh, no, we're effed. <laughs> okay, and that's where they are right now, right? Because they don't have their first round pick is going to Detroit. Right now, it looks like Detroit has a better quarterbacking situation, and we didn't think that this time last year, but they got Jared Goff. He played well. The Rams, you don't know what they have, and Matthew Stafford with the injury. I, I think that's part of coaching, too. So I would be a little skeptical if, if Sean McVay goes to TV for a couple of years, even three or four years, comes back and says, hey, okay, I'm ready, for the, I'm ready for my bag now. Even though I left the bag before, I'm ready to come back and, and lead some franchise. 
But the, you know, the message that it sends, the, the signal that it gives out that when things are difficult, I don't want to be here for the rebuild. I don't want to be here for the challenge. And I think this is the, where the generation gap kicks in, Mike, is that I think younger people, Gen Z, millennials, they say it's about me first and how I feel and my well-being more so than the outward appearances, right? I'm less concerned about how this is going to come off and what they're going to say about me. And I'm going to prioritize making sure that my wellness is taken care of. And I understand that. And I see that even if I can't necessarily relate to that, because and it's funny, because I feel like they said that about our generation, you know, Gen X, like, oh, you guys yeah. are just, yeah. you know, you want to be taken yeah. care of, you know, the, and they were the, right. right. Here we are now entertain us, right? They, and they, and now, they were right. They were right about us. <laughs> but I feel more aligned with the older generations that you got to stick through it. You got to deal with it. And through adversity, you discover things about yourself, right? And you can feel a greater sense of accomplishment when you get through adversity. And having the luxury, you know, we're fortunate. We've, we've been around for over half a century. We can look back at everything and said there were tough times. There were challenges that we faced and we got through it. And we are probably better off for it, even though it wasn't fun at the time. It was trying, but we went through it. And we can say, and we can take pride in that, that we went through it. Yeah, and I wonder, um, you know, but I don't think, I don't think owners, NFL owners pick and choose, right? I don't think they really care. Like if it's somebody else, if it's somebody else, they might be critical. You know, Sean McVay, 36, won a Super Bowl. It looks like Stan Kroenke, at least publicly, they seem to be cool with it. Like, oh, well. Mike, can you, okay. can you think of a single black coach that could even afford to contemplate stepping away at this age after such a sh relatively short period of time. Maybe Mike Tomlin has actually built the equity where he could say, you know what? I need a mental break. I've been through it, got through the COVID years, got through this year. Um, I've kept the franchise in a stable place. I need to take a break. I think Mike Tomlin could. Outside of that, I can't think of a single black coach that could afford to even entertain these thoughts. And and to me, the the, the privilege, and I would like to see Shamu Bey at least recognize the privilege <laughs> that he can have these conversations and that he has these options available to him. He gets to do whatever he wants, right? If he wants to, to go sit in a booth for the next couple of years or on a set, uh, yeah. if he just wants to take some time off, he knows there will be opportunities waiting for him if and when he's ready to come back and coach hey, again. And I'm he, not he sure you can find a single black coach hey. that can say that. <laughs> I was say, I'm laughing because, you know, the environment, man. Most black coaches go to work <laughs> every day. See if the key card still works. It worked yesterday. <laughs> Is it going to work today? Wait a minute. You go up to, you drive through security, you try to wave. They're like, hold on. Oh, damn. What happened? <laughs> hey. Did they, did they David color? Did they David color me? Did they <laughs> love Smith, Smith me? <laughs> did they did they Steve Wilkes me? What's happening here? I was just a coach here yesterday. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was all good yesterday. Good. No, no, no. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. And they don't even call you coach anymore. And that was a long time ago, not Steve. Not for long. Not for long. Sorry, lovey. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters 
both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. <laughs> All right, Adande, uh, not much time left. I'm curious, what's this likes-dislikes thing on your feed? I dislike likes on text messages. Text messages. Who thought that was a good idea? If we're text messaging, we're friends, right? We know each other. I don't need to get your reaction. I can assume that if I tell a joke, you probably find it funny. We share things in common. I don't need to have a like. I don't need to get an alert that you like something. I don't need, if I have my AirPods in and I'm walking and listening to a podcast, to hear that you liked my message and then to proceed to have Siri read the entire message that I already wrote, that I already know what it contains. I don't need to know that you like that. And don't get me started on emphasize. What the heck is that supposed to mean? That you emphasize a message that I sent? I don't need to know that. Get rid of this stuff. Get too close. Get too close. You get too close to where I live. don't need this stuff. Sounds like you don't like people, though. Sounds like you don't like people. (laughs) No, I don't like people that like messages. That's stupid. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.